I regret to inform you, Willie Simmons is now the former Florida A&M head coach. Accepted that job at Duke, y'all. It is what it is. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, you make a money line bet of $5 and you win. You get five or excuse me, $150 back in bonus bets. That's a buck fifty back to you if you win your first five dollar money line bet and you're new to FanDuel. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. I understand that today's episode was supposed to be about my personal finalist for the Black College Football Player of the Year Award. However, Things change, plans change, and when Willie Simmons decides to leave the Celebration Bowl champion, Florida A&M Rattlers, that's when things change and plans change, and this is going to take precedent and fill out an episode. So there's no room for that, but we'll be back with that on tomorrow's episode, unless something absolutely ballistic happens again, which I doubt it will, but y'all need to slow down. I'm talking to every single school out there, slow down. You ended 2023 with a bang. You started off 2024 with a bang. I was barely awake. I was out late last night. I was barely awake until I seen the news that Willie Simmons was gone. We'll look at FAMU's decision to either look in-house or outside of the program to replace Willie Simmons. I project he'll get a pay raise. Ooh, hot take. But what's the pay raise going to look like? We'll look at that too. But let's look at the decision. Because Florida A&M, former Florida A&M head football coach, Willie Simmons has decided to accept Duke's, uh, excuse me, I want to say Duke University, Duke's offer to be their running backs coach. I'm bummed, but I'm wishing him a lot of prosperity and I'm wishing him a lot of success. And to me, this tells me exactly what Willie Simmons is goals are and we're going to be real with each other here like if you want something to be sugar-coated you want to be propped up i'm gonna be a hundred percent what i believe is honest i'm gonna give you the god's honest today for 25 to 30 minutes this is how coaching works we don't want to have those conversations i see people trying to have these conversations and i see them speak on how they wish things works what they wish would happen that's what i see we're not here for that not today we're here to talk about how things really happen 
And this is how coaching works. Willie Simmons wants to be the head coach of a big school. His decision to go to Duke tells me that's what he wants to do because he was the head coach of a small school. Now, somebody once told me that HBCUs aren't small schools. And I believe that person took the words small school as an insult. This is not an insult. It is simply a classification of your enrollment. That's it. That's it. When I'm in, I'm in Texas, we look at high school football. 6A versus 2A, yes, the most prominent schools are in 6A, but the reason they are classified like that are because of enrollment. It's just size. 6A versus 2A. 6A is a bigger school. These schools have more enrollment than HBCUs, than FCS schools. So, yes, he was the coach at a small school. When you look at the draft, they call all the prospects on the FCS level small school prospects, even those from North Dakota State, which we know is a very prominent FCS school. They are still labeled a small school product. So this is not a disrespectful term. This is just to say, I don't believe that Willie Simmons wants to be a positional coach for the rest of his career. I don't think he wants to spend the next 20 years at Duke, at South Florida, wherever, being a positional coach. I believe he wants to be a head coach. And in order to do that, he's taking a more normal route, which is going positional coach, then likely a coordinator and or assistant head coach, and then becoming a head coach. That's what he's looking at. And the move tells me that. Because you can say it's a demotion, but this is how people climb that coaching ladder. He's worked his way up. He's built up a body of work. Now, whenever he gets to the FBS level and he's a coordinator who's looking to be a head coach, they'll reflect on what he was able to do as a head coach, not only at FAMU, but then also at Prairie View. They'll reflect on his FCS coaching resume. So this is something that's still very valuable. I don't think it's an insult. I wish that he would have stayed, but you would be, you must be looking at somebody else. If you think you caught me being bothered or upset at Willie Simmons for my hopes for him, not aligning with his goals for himself, I will always support that. And I hate the fact that we even have to do this, but FAMU and Jackson State just be going at each other. This is not the same as Dion. Both coaches left. One left to be a head coach, one left to be a positional coach, but that's not the difference. Willie Simmons winning a celebration bowl, that's not the difference. The difference is there is a certain stigma around Dion's time at Jackson State before he left and Willie Simmons' time. And it's not the lack of celebration bowl victories. It's the, the status the coach himself has made by the way that he talked. Dion built a certain aura around himself. There's no controversy here. The only controversy is Rattler fans and Tiger fans wanting to go at it. That's it. I've seen it too many times not to address it, though. This is how I feel. Willie Simmons is now at a point where his journey kind of starts from zero. Willie Simmons is now at a point where he has to start over and work his way up the ranks. Now Duke's running backs need to be good. Right. Then he can go be an offensive coordinator. Those offenses need to be good. Then he can be a head coach. And now we're where we need to be. I do believe that Willie Simmons is a future head coach. I do believe that it's very difficult for him, though, as well. This does not make things easy. This is just a clear statement that Willie Simmons is looking to be a head coach at a big school. Not everybody aspires to that, but the ones that do, I will not shame. I do not believe you should shame them.
Because what are we doing? What are we getting upset at him for? This is how coaching works. I just seen the North Dakota head coach, excuse me, the North Dakota state head coach go to Southern California. This happens. I didn't think it would, but I think I might have underestimated the relationship that Coach Diaz and Willie Simmons had built over the years. Because I was like, oh, he declined South Carolina. He could decline this too. And I probably shouldn't have put so much strength on him not being a quarterback's coach because he was a running backs coach when him and Diaz actually worked together. Now, I still do believe that he deserved an offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach position, position, but specifically a quarterback's coach. I would have waited for that. But whatever, it is what it is. I think I would have taken a – this ain't about what I would do. So we'll leave that al alone. I'm not holding him to that standard. You shouldn't either. I just wanted to use this as a reality check because I know a lot of people would probably feel if FAMU, huge brand, right? If FAMU, Celebration Bowl champions, couldn't hold on to their coach, this is a way to show you that this is just how the game works. And I know a lot of people thought that money was going to work, but even with that $100,000 that they raised, it still wouldn't have been enough because he's still getting a pay increase. Duke's not going to reveal how much they pay him, most likely, but we can do a little bit of speculation and projecting as we continue with Locked on HBCU by comparing Duke, or excuse me, comparing three of Duke's peers in the ACC and how much their assistant coaches get paid. And we'll do that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yesterday, we had college football playoffs on New Year's, and the day was insane. The Michigan versus Bama game, it was insane towards the end. But then that Texas versus Washington game. I know these things change as the game goes on. You could have made and lost so much money, but that's the beauty of the game, ain't it? Ain't that the beauty of it? Ain't Michael Jordan say, well, that's you because you never won anything. Those who have understand that this was crazy and this was what you want to do. Now, college football will be back next week. You have bowl games in the meantime. In between time, you have NBA. You have the NFL with games on Saturday and Sunday yet again. One second. Excuse me. This is when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make one of those $5 money line bets. And if you win and you're new to FanDuel, you get a buck fifty back in bonus bets, $150 back in bonus bets when your $5 money line bet hits. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Now, as soon as I finish, and maybe right before you want to listen to me next time, you can check out Locked on Sports today. Locked on Sports today has a 24-7, all day, every day stream, no matter when you check it out. Subscribe. Subscribe to Locked On Sports today and take a part of the first of its kind. Now, we've already looked at the decision itself. We've already looked at Willie Simmons's choice and why I feel like this is kind of a reality check for those who maybe didn't want to admit that this is how coaching works. But I know a lot of people are talking about money. I had to reach out to my guy, Mo Carter, 
because I heard everybody throwing out 500,000. I don't know where they got that number at. He know where they got that number at. I don't know anybody who knows where they got that number at. I feel like somebody said 500,000. People retweeted and then they just ran with it. I think that's reckless. So I decided to do a little bit of an experiment to see how much Willie Simmons would be paid. That's what I wanted to look at, right? So in order to do that, because he's going to get a raise, let's just be real. Willie Simmons is going to get a raise from what he was paid at FAMU. He earned $300,000 in base salary. Base salary means no incentives, none of that. He got paid $300,000. He could have got three hundred dollars to lose every single game. That's what base salary means. Okay. Now he did end up getting a 400, I think 430 something, 435 ish because of incentives. One was winning a celebration bowl, which was a hundred thousand more in his pocket. I want to make sure that his, his financial situation is fully out there. So we understand what he walked away from before we look at what he walked into. So, I went and thank you again to Mo for helping me make sure I, I diversify because I was just going to go with Florida State and just look at how much their coaches made. But what I decided to do was take out the coordinators because he's not making coordinator money. We can just get that out the way. He's not making coordinator money. OK. But I decided to look at the highest paid assistant coach or positional coach. Then I decided to look at the lowest paid positional coach. And then also look at the running backs coach for three ACC schools, because that's the conference that he's stepping into. I went with Florida State, University of North Carolina, and then also Clemson. Right. So at Florida State, the quarterback coach was the lowest paid assistant head coach, and he made four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The linebackers coach was the highest paid and he made six hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. OK. The, the running back coach was in the middle and he made 550. So about 75,000 less than the highest, 100,000 more than the lowest. That's at Florida State. The University of North Carolina, their highest paid assistant coach was 600,000 on the offensive line, 341,000 on the defensive line. Now that lowest paid is quite close to FAMU and where they currently are. With some incentives, he can make better than 341000 but his base pay is not there. That being said, we can't move with the assumption that these coaches don't also have incentives. You know, like, if you're going to bring up incentives for FAMU, say the fact that you know the incentives, but you can't say that you know he won't get incentives. I've even seen somebody throw around some $100,000. But once again, I think people are just talking out, out their neck when it comes to these figures. Um a running backs coach at North Carolina makes $543,000. Then you get to Clemson, and this is when it gets a little interesting. You have $800,000 for your defensive tackle coach, and he's also your defensive run game coordinator. So, But Clemson also, they give out the bag. I'm going to be honest with you. They give out a bag. Their offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, I think it's offense, uh, Gary Riley, he's one of the top paid, if not the top paid coordinator in all of college football. So they give out money. But then you're looking at the running backs coach, who ironically is the lowest paid assistant coach on that staff. He makes four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So you're looking at three ACC schools. The lowest paid guy makes three hundred and forty one thousand dollars. Base salary. That's already a forty one thousand dollar jump from where Willie Simmons was. But when you look at what he's going to do, which be a running back coach. 
the lowest paid guy of the three I'm looking at, $450,000. That's an $150,000 jump from where you are. I told you if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and win your first money line bet of $5, you get $150 back in bonus bets. This man getting $150,000 back, and it ain't bonus bets. Okay? And that's not even talking about potential incentives. This is just looking at a base pay. And that's if I took the lowest of the three. If I go to running backs coach at North Carolina, that's three, or excuse me, 543. If I go to Florida State, that's 550. You're looking at nearly doubling his pay at some of these programs if he gets paid like that. And that's not counting incentives. This is a significant pay jump. So if you want to save 500,000, I, you know, I get it. Let's do, let's do some math. I can't do quick math on that because uh, I actually, I probably could, but it wouldn't be that quick. So we're just not going to do it. So we're looking at 550 plus 543 plus 450, right? And then we're going to divide that by three. So on average of the schools I looked at, their running back coach is making $514,000, $514,000 from a coach who with all his incentives, I believe, or at least the biggest incentive of winning a celebration bowl. So winning it all made $437,000. That is a significant jump in pay. I don't mind you throwing numbers out there, but I just want to make sure that when I say my numbers, when I'm projecting because, and thank you once again to Mo, I, this is my third thank you. It might not be my last if I feel like I need to say it again. Duke University is a private institution. is not obligated to disclose their figures. They're not. So from what he told me, how I look at it, we may never know. Willie Simmons' salary may be like how to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop. The world may never know. But what we can do, what we can do, is make some speculation and project based on what their peers are paying. And that's what I decided to do by looking at Florida State. That's what I did by looking at North Carolina and then also looking at Clemson. That's what I did. And I think that it was a solid exercise, even though they're not the only schools in the ACC. I looked at some of the prominent schools and what they might shell out as far as money. So it's 100000 at least. You're looking at probably 150000 at least in a jump, financially, it's a significant uh, pay raise. You might say he took a demotion as far as going head coach to positional coach, but when we're looking at the money, it's way different. And that's with fam. Mind you, fam, you tried to raise $100,000. That would have raised his base pay to four hundred k. And now we're looking at one coach. In all of these three schools, I mean, I'm not talking running back coach. We're talking at one coach that made less than this, $341,000. If we're talking about money, it's just different. It's just different. All right? It's just different. The, for the record, the North Dakota State head coach made $400,000 $400, in, in base pay. It's just different when you go to these schools, which is this. So now that he's gone, how are you going to replace him? And I'm not looking at candidates just yet, but I mean literally how. What is the method that you're going to choose to use? Are you going to go in-house product? Are you going to go out of the program? We'll look at the pros and cons of each of those things as we continue 
with Locked On HBCU. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Willie Simmons is no longer the head football coach of Florida A&M. We've come to grips with that. We've looked at the decision and what this means, right? It's an L for HBCU football. I'll be honest with you. You lost a man who on yesterday's episode, I called a pillar. One thing I'll say that's funny is I, I've been trying to make it a, a habit to post my episodes at 5 a.m. I wasn't able to do it last Friday because I just I didn't want to. I was somewhere else. I was at my girl's house. I don't know why I said somewhere else. I was at my girl's house. I wanted to record at my crib in my studio, right, with this setup while talking about Texas Southern. That's how I wanted to do it, right? So I waited, and I released that episode a tad bit later. But for the most part, I've been releasing these episodes at 5 a.m. on a schedule. I'm asleep, but the episode's getting out. This news dropped 30, 30 minutes, an hour after I woke up. And it's just like, wow, this this biggest unknown storyline that I just talked about. And I, I put the work in and I dropped it right at 5 a.m. It's now known. It now doesn't even make sense to those who are just now watching the episode. Somebody going to tell me they, they said this a while ago. No, they said this a couple hours ago. But neither here nor there. I support the love no matter what. But the search is on now. What do you do? Do you look in the house? You go to the to the living room. You go to the game room. You go to the guest bedroom and say, is Coach Simmons's replacement in here already? Do you go knock on the, the your roommate's door and say, hey, associate head coach, we want you. Like, do you look in-house or do you say, you know what? We're going to step outside and at least see who's out there on the street. Even if we're still in the neighborhood, we're going to see who's out there on the street. What do you do? I think that there's some pros and cons from it, you know, um, and we'll get into actual candidates at some point unless they make us extremely fast hire. We'll look at some actual candidates, but I just mean the method of how you plan to go about it. You should look at both. You should look at in-house people and you should look at out of the house people. But when you're looking at in-house, that probably means that you'll have a faster decision. If you're looking in-house, you'll probably have a faster decision on who you want because you likely already know. When you have an in-house candidate, I'm not saying all interviews become shams, but what I will say is that you're typically pretty confident about your guy when it's an in-house person because you know them well. And the reason people want to do it is continuity. But I think that's a tad bit overrated. I'm also a tad bit jaded because I have continuity with my other job. And it ain't turned out too well for me. So continuity is kind of like something I kind of shrug my, my shoulders at now. But at the same time, it's opened my eyes to why I believe it's overvalued. You have to have the guy. And sometimes that continuity is hard to really maintain if you don't have the guy who has a similar personality. You're not having continuity, right? Because if I keep the same cast, but I have a new lead, sometimes that changes things. Or if I have a job and everybody's working, but we have a new general manager now, it's that's probably a better example. If you're at a at a McDonald's or whatever, right? 
and a person who was on the fries now been elevated to general manager, but they don't act like that general manager, that McDonald's very well could run differently. So when you're looking at taking guys in house, I understand. I just had so much success. I just had Willie Simmons establish a culture for five years. And I'm looking at, I don't want to be like what things were right before Willie came. I get it. And I won't knock it at all. I, I, I try not to knock in-house hires, right? Don't allow me being jaded to then force you to be jaded, right? You don't have to share my emotion on it. I'm just looking at the pros and the cons. On the pro, you're going to have your guys together. You're going to have people who already know your roster, who already know your staff, who already have relationships that you feel like you can build and you don't have to really stack up as much chemistry. All you have to do is make sure that that person who elevates doesn't have their ego elevated and inflated as well. That's what you need to watch out for. As long as they stay relatively the same as who they are, you'll have relationships in the building that are still solid. But for me, sometimes we look at continuity and are you really maintaining continuity if you keep a lot of people, but the head of the table is different? If the leader is different, are you truly maintaining continuity? It's up to you to answer. Then I look at out of the house. And when you look out of the house, it sucks because you've done so much. Nobody ever is a bad team and says, we want to keep some continuity. No, we want to get far away from everything that we just were. Why would Texas Southern... Why would Texas Southern fire or allow their coach's contract to run out, not renew him, and then say, you know what, we're going to put the defensive coordinator in charge? It just doesn't make sense because you're trying to get away from what you were. That defensive coordinator is more than likely gone. And that actually brings me to something. You have been extremely – I said that like business monkey. You, you got what I need. Anyway, the point is you cannot say – Hey, we like this new coach. We're going to bring you in, but you got to keep this guy. I don't like that. If you're going to bring in a new coach, allow him to be a new coach. If you're going to bring in somebody from the outside, don't hold him to having to keep these people. He might walk in and want to keep the offensive run game coordinator. He might want to keep that, but maybe he won't. And you have to allow him to make that decision for himself whoever he is. And I understand that 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 forces you to kind of let go of control in a bit. It allows it forces you to say I can't I can't control us being the same and it's kind of a start over. Right? You you're going to assume you have some players the transfer portal might get active, Gentle Hunt's already in the portal, who knows if he comes back? Like I I don't know. But you have to trust that guy that you picked to build whatever they want to build. You can't trust them to drive your car. You got to ride passenger in their car. You got to follow them. You can't say, hey, I already got this car for you. No, they drive this car. They drive this car. You can't force them to drive your car. You can't force them to have your coaching staff. This is very interesting, and I'll be watching it. I'll be interested to see when they throw names out there. It typically is only one in-house name. It typically doesn't get two, three in-house names that I hear. It's just one. But I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be watching and we'll be reporting. And you'll know it when I know it. Trust and believe. But if you want to tell me some things at South Exclusives, go ahead and do that. That's the best way to reach me with information is at South Exclusives. That is the best way on social media. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and sign this thing out so you can know my social media one more time. Starts with S, ends with S. You know what it is. But we're gonna wrap.
tomorrow's episode, we should be looking at who I would pick as my finalist for the Black College Football Player of the Year Award. We get four people, four guys. I already have a couple. Actually, I think I already have three that I know I'm going to do. I'm looking for the first, fourth person I'm going to put on the list. So we'll do that on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, in between time, here goes the part that you've been waiting for, right? In the meantime, in between time, until the next time we hear each other family, you can follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And take care. Stay blessed. Peace.